welcome to another episode of the Trinity United Church Legon Podcast. And now for today's teaching. Praise the Lord. You may please be seated. I'd like to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We are still in the season of the resurrection. So this morning I'd like to use the resurrection greeting. The response to Christ has risen is he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So Christ has risen. Amen. I'd like to thank the minister in charge, my colleague, Reverend Dr. Martin Eduobing, for asking me to come and share um, today's service, the fellowship of today's service, and also to the leadership of Trinity United Church. Not just for this invitation, but also for all the support that you give the seminary, especially um, through your financial blessing every now and then. You are also aware that because of the increase in the numbers of students, our small chapel is unable to contain us for major events. So these days we tend to have our devotions in this chapel. We don't take your generosity for granted. So we are also happy uh, that you share your facilities with us and we are very grateful. This morning, um, we are also receiving into fellowship one of my friends who just yesterday um, celebrated a long, uh, long life in public and international service, uh, started his life as a high school teacher, uh, worked um, at the University of Birmingham as a, a professor where we both studied and eventually worked with the World Bank Yesterday, we had a, a retirement service for my friend, Dr. George Adulabi. He's here. George, they don't know you, so today I'll let you stand. I know you don't like standing in crowd, but today you stand. All right, so thank you. He's here with his family. Yesterday, we had a short service in our small chapel, and George tells me that he has uh, joined you officially. Also, you must know that I asked him to join, so... Every offering he gives, I have to get 10%. <laughs> so congratulations, George and your family. And once again, thank you. The theme that has been given to us to speak on is stay with us. It comes from the experience of the resurrection. And so I'd like to read the passage from which the theme has been selected. And it's Luke chapter 24, 28 to 35. It's a very long passage that starts from verse 1, but I wouldn't like to read all of it. I just like to read that small portion of verses 28 to 35. So Luke 24, 28 to 35 is the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it's a story that I believe you all know. I'm going to make references to it this morning, but I like to read that short portion. 
Let us listen to the word of God. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in with, and stayed with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. When their, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Eternal God, we thank you for our time together this morning. With hands lifted up, with mouths full of praise, with heart of thanksgiving, we bless your name. From everlasting to everlasting, you remain God. You are immortal, you are invisible, you are only wise, you are ancient of days. So this morning, we come before the God of heaven and earth and bow before your throne in reverence. We celebrate your holiness and your mighty acts. We want to thank you for the power of the resurrection. The power that delivers us from evil, cleanses us from sin, empowers us to work for you as your people. We come in our weakness, we pray that we'll go in your strength. We come in our sin, we pray that we'll go in your forgiveness. We come carrying burdens of illness, we pray that we'll go in your healing. Open thou, O God, our lips as we speak your word. Minister your word to your people, bring glory to your name. Lord, and bless your children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, beloved people of God... Luke chapter 24 and verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Stay with us. Shall we say that together? Stay with us. It's a prayer. It's a plea that was made to Jesus who had risen. And in some circumstances, we all need company. Some circumstances, we all need company. What I want to do this morning is to address the meaning of the plea of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It followed the uncertainties surrounding the news that Jesus had risen from the dead. The message of Easter is simply that the Jesus who was crucified on Good Friday rose again on the third day. Amen. And during the Easter period, I listened to some media interviews of some pastors. And the interviewers were asking, we say Jesus was in the grave for three days. This doesn't quite three days and so on. Uh, that kind of engagement is not necessary. Because at the time, 
the days were not counted the way we count ours. When the Jews say we are celebrating the Sabbath, Sabbath starts on Friday, 6 p.m., not on Saturday. So the way in those days, there was no Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So if the Bible says he was in the grave for three days, he was in the grave for three days. So don't use modern calendar to count uh, the calendar of 2,000 years ago. Whatever it is, the important thing is that the day on which Jesus was crucified was never a good Friday. It was a bad Friday. It was a terrible Friday. His disciples had been traumatized following this powerful man for three years. And they had seen him raise the dead. They had seen the cripples walk. They had seen the eyes of the blind opened. And then suddenly their champion is nailed to the cross like a common criminal. When Jesus was born, his parents carried him to the temple. And a man, a prophet called Simeon, received Jesus in his arms. He said a number of things. But there's something he said that may not have struck Mary. He told Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. I don't know whether Mary kept that in mind. But on the cross, a sword did pierce Mary's soul. To the point where Jesus had to commit the mother to John to take care of her. It was a traumatic situation. The crucifixion wasn't an easy day. It is those of us who are celebrating it today who call it Good Friday. Amen. And we call it Good Friday because God cannot be permanently kept in lockdown mode. He rose again. So it is because of Easter, the resurrection, that the Friday can be called Good Friday. Friends, the Easter message must be differentiated from the Easter experience. The Easter message is that the Christ who was crucified and buried, as we confess in our creed, rose again. That is the message. The experience is when the presence of the risen Christ is felt in lives, in homes, and in churches. Stay with us. So the abiding presence of the risen Christ is what we call the Easter experience. The resurrection accomplished a number of things. I will give you three. One, the resurrection of Jesus confirmed his credibility as the Messiah of God, the anointed of God. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, Jesus told his disciples, the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. Amen. Amen. On the resurrection day, the rising part of Jesus' declaration came true. 
On Good Friday, Jesus went through an agonizingly painful death. He was buried. And Pilate instructed his soldiers to seal the grave securely to avoid anybody tampering with his mortal remains. When Jesus defied this lockdown period and rose again, his credibility as Messiah was confirmed. The resurrection confirms the credibility of Jesus as God's anointed. Secondly, the resurrection gave the disciples confidence in the message of the gospel. The resurrection gave them confidence. Friday, everybody went into lockdown. And when I use lockdown, you understand because of COVID-19. These two disciples were running away from the city because they thought Pilate, Herod, and their soldiers will go after the followers of Jesus. And they have seen what happened to their master. Look at how he was humiliated. And on Good Friday, I was saying to my congregation that it is out of respect that when artists draw Jesus on the cross, they put a small towel around his waist. In all likelihood, Jesus may have been crucified stark naked. They wanted his shame to be total. It wasn't an easy time. If there were flights that day, people who have caught flights. But, when the news broke, that the man was risen. It gave the disciples confidence. Their confidence returned. Amen. Amen. So Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Christ has risen. In Acts chapter 2, 23 to 24, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching, he said this in Acts 2, 23, 24. He said, this man handed over to you according to the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death. And listen to this. Because it was impossible for death to hold him in his power. Jesus is beyond lockdown. Amen. So the experience of the resurrection must be the experience of those who have confidence in the word of God. If you have experienced the resurrection, it must give you confidence. This is Peter, who only a couple of weeks ago had denied this man. Now standing with a certain level of confidence and declaring that this man handed over to you according to the foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be held by the power of death. So the resurrection 
confirmed credibility. It gave the disciples confidence. And thirdly, it gave them courage. It gave them courage. Fearlessness and boldness in the preaching of the word. Later when the apostles were questing for healing a man, a cripple at the gate called Beautiful in Acts, Acts chapter 2 verse 10. Peter courageously declared, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man standing before you is in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. In the early years, in the, in the early years of Christianity, the group was known as the movement of the resurrection because that's what their message focused on. In this message, my dear friends, I'm talking about experiencing this resurrection a certain way. And you cannot call yourself a disciple of his majesty, the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless the power of the resurrection is evident in your life and what you do. Unless the power of the resurrection is evident in the church, the way we serve, the way we sing, the way we speak, the way we relate. The stranger joined the two on the road to Emmaus. Meanwhile, nobody was sure what had happened. The others had locked themselves behind closed doors, as the Bible says, for fear of the Jews. So, the events of the Friday on which Jesus was crucified had created fear and panic in the community. What made the matter worse were two things. One, that the body was not in the grave. Two, that the story of the missing body was declared by women. It brought confusion. This was no easy matter. The reason is this. Under Jewish culture, when you have a problem, a case in court, and your witness is a woman, you have lost the case before arrival. Because the testimony of women was considered not credible. God knows the end from the beginning. So the fact that it was women who first encountered the risen Christ is no accident. God did it so that today we can say there is neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female. In God's presence, everybody counts. If you believe that, say amen. Let the women say hallelujah. You have been brought from the margins to the center. And for those who wrote the gospel, to have the courage to write that it is women who brought the news is what makes the resurrection true. In a culture where the word of women is not believed, 
they would have changed it and say, yes, the woman saw the empty tomb, but he first revealed himself to men. That would have been true for Jews. Part of what makes the resurrection true is the courage to say that it was women who brought the news. Friends, the empty tomb itself does not tell any story. It was significant that the body was not in it. But as for empty tomb, it could be that some people stole the body. After many years, bodies rot. It could be that the disciples had gone to steal him in the night, as was suggested in Matthew, and so on. The empty tomb is important, but not a sufficient proof of the resurrection. That which is sufficient proof of the resurrection is the fact that real people saw the real Jesus in real time. Amen. The women saw him. The disciples saw him. Paul says, I also saw him on the road to Damascus. And remember Thomas. And he came and his friends told him that our master is risen. Thomas says, unless I see him and his hands and the wounds on his side, I will never believe. Me, if it were me, I would have said that even if I see the wounds, I won't believe. Because I was there when they crucified him. Jesus did not say Thomas can go to hell. He didn't say that. Because he knew how important encountering him in his risen nature was was for the preaching of the message and for the living of the word. So he came again. And in the end, Thomas had to submit and say, my Lord and my God. Amen. The two disciples were running away. Jesus could have said they have betrayed me. But he pursued them. He pursued them. God does not give up on anybody. And if we believe in the risen Christ, we come to him in our pain, we come to him in our loss, we come to him in our confusion, in our uncertainty, and he turns things around. So the disciples made a U-turn after that encounter. May God bring a U-turn into your life. Says in Luke 24, 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures? They had encountered the Christ who is risen. So it was the company, the abiding presence of Jesus with the women in the cemetery, with the disciples in lockdown, with Thomas when he was not there, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that gave the message credibility, confidence, and gave his people courage. Beloved people of God,
what are my conclusions in this matter? The first is that everybody around Jesus was faced with a period of uncertainty. That uncertainty became certain when they encountered Christ. I am here this morning to tell you that the thing that Christ accomplishes in our lives is to turn our uncertainties and make them certain. Amen. Secondly, the two disciples invited Jesus to stay with them. And I like the fact that they invited him strongly. They insisted. This was not some half-hearted request. It was a plea. Stay with us. The Bible says they urged him strongly. And Jesus himself says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So your desire for God must be strong, not half-hearted. As we read in Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants, my soul yearns for you. My soul thirsts for God. That's what it says. Thirdly, they broke bread. The risen Christ is willing to have fellowship with us. Fourthly, the disciples could not have encountered him and gone the same way. You are on a path of destruction. But an encounter with the risen Christ should help you to make a U-turn and come back. And remember, when they made a U-turn and came back, they met the others behind closed doors and they said, the Lord is risen indeed. Usually, we say the Lord is risen. We don't add the indeed. The Bible adds the indeed. It means that there is evidence. What is the evidence? We have seen him. Amen. So, number five is everybody who encountered the risen Christ had a testimony. There should be a testimony that indicates clearly that there has been a resurrection in your life. The testimony of the disciples was built on the fact that they saw the Lord. Paul built his testimony on the fact that he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. After talking about people who saw Jesus, Paul adds, last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me in 1 Corinthians 15, 8. Read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 8 very carefully. The empty tomb is never mentioned. It was important, but not a strong evidence for the resurrection. The strongest evidence is the fact that the one who died rose again and people encountered him. Let me conclude with the words of Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who encounter the risen Christ are victorious in the things they do. Eternal God, we want to thank you this morning for your word. You watch over your word to perform it. We pray that every life, every heart, every soul will be touched. Reveal yourself to us in our confusion. Help us to make you turns where necessary. Empower us where we are weak. Revive our faith, O God. And if anyone is carrying any burden this morning, I pray 
that in the power of the resurrection, that burden will come down. Your authority will be established in every life. Your grace will abound. And your spirit will be among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are glad you joined us for today's episode. To engage with us some more, kindly search for Trinity United Church, Legon, on YouTube and Facebook and give us a follow. You can also join us every Sunday on the premises of Trinity Theological Seminary, Legon. Thank you.